I'm your host, Gary Morgan, marooned all the way out in San Francisco this week. And uh, with me, as always, is my good friend and patient co-host, Jim Stam, who waited extra late to do this with me this week. So thank you, sir. Oh, man, no problem. And uh, I would just want to give you some props and give us some props because we've talked about this show and how we want to do it and how we like to do things. And um, we show up every week and we're consistent and we try to do really good shows and content. And uh, this is just another week where we've had to juggle some things. You're out on the West Coast and we still find a way to yeah. get it done. So I appreciate it, man. And hopefully the people do too that, that listen. So. Yeah, it's always worked out. We haven't missed one except for, I think it was Thanksgiving week or Christmas week last year. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was yeah, an entire so. station shut down. So <laughs> right, yeah, we 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 would have done one. So uh, yeah, but uh, no, it's just it's just uh, it's cool that we're we've been able to do it every every week, and uh, hopefully we're able to continue that. So so I thought let's start with a little surprise topic this week, huh? Because I didn't expect this to take off the way it did, but I threw out a little poll, um, you know, last week after Mitch Keller's appearance and. It was pretty simple. It was just, are we ready to say Mitch Keller has arrived? Now, I'm not a dummy. You all know, of course, arrived is a word that's going to lead certain people to think different things. But even so, the poll, first of all, you guys took to it. Like, I think we got 344 votes, Jim. I mean, yeah. That's a lot. And uh, we didn't even say we were going to talk about it. So, I mean, this is just really, really cool response. We've had O'Neill Cruz polls that haven't had that kind of numbers, if that tells you something. <laughs> it's so, true. Anyways. It's true. Yeah. But uh, yes got 54.7. No got 45.3. So uh, so yes, meaning 54.7 said he has turned the corner, right? He has arrived. Yes. He has arrived. That's people. right. That's right. And no is about 45%. Mm-hmm. So – you know, I thought it's Pittsburgh. I thought maybe what I was going to see mostly was cautious optimism, right? Sure. That's a lot more yes votes than I thought he was going to get. And I, I kind of put that out there because I often ask people, when have you seen enough of Mitch Keller? Because every time you bring it up, you feel like everyone says, I just need to see him do it for another two or three. I just need to see him do it consistently. It's been about nine weeks now. You know, he's had like one kind of stinky start in that stretch. But aside from that, he's been pretty consistent, really, ever since introducing the two-seamer. So at what point are you seeing enough to say he arrived if you voted no? I guess this is the next follow-up, right? Where you sit on this? Um. Uh, unfortunately or unfortunately, I actually got to see him start against the Yankees and things kind of went off the rails for him there yeah. in that start. He, he looked really good until I think it was the fourth inning. It, and then... 
Yes, everything looked fine. Um, the Yankees have done that a time or two to, to people. So I don't know that I want to read a whole lot into that start. It was actually a very competitive game until that point. Um, you know, uh, he's – look – I, I would say that if you're not at least willing to explore the fact that uh, things might be looking a little different, then either you're not willing to come off of an opinion that he was always going to stink, or you haven't been paying attention as to why he's looked a little better in the last month or two and, yeah, and I mean, know the reasons. Or he's he was so bad last year. And, and his uh, struggle is so notorious because he was expected to help last year, realistically. Yeah. You know, if you're tuning in and out here and there, you maybe haven't really seen that he's been trending in a certain direction this year for the most part. So it's... Uh, and it's, t- it's tough to change a narrative too, right? Yes, it very much is. But I guess that's why it was interesting that, that so many people reacted to it because there were a lot of strong opinions. And I mean, we got we got damn near 30 comments too. So I mean, like... Right. Um, let's read a few of them, huh? Yeah, yeah. Was there anything interesting that jumped out? Yeah, like here's, here's one from uh, Kevin. He's on the fence here. Love to say yes. We voted no. Need to see how he does for a few more, you know, starts where he's putting up these kind of numbers. And he's still encouraged. I think that's completely fair. I think that's probably where I thought most people would line up. So I was, I was surprised that the vote went yes, because most of the comments are like this. So it's almost like if you voted no, you kind of felt the need to explain it. You uh-huh. know, because... It made you feel yeah, a little crazy. Like you want to give the yes, but you can't. And you better explain why because you want to, but you just can't. <laughs> yeah, or someone's doubling down. Either way, you want to look <laughs> right, at it, right. and they just don't want to back off of it. Um, I mean, look, here's the thing. Like he's added this this uh, this sinker to to the equation. And I mean, since he's done that, the numbers look different. So um, I don't know how you can't sit there and say, look, I think the days of expecting Mitch Keller to be an ace, an ace or whatever you want to call him, top end of the rotation guy, maybe not. But he's showing the signs, at least this year and of late, that I think you can see him definitely as like a you know, middle of the rotation guy with a little bit of upside. I still am surprised he doesn't miss. He's still, for all his stuff, Gary, he is still not even averaging a strikeout an inning, which um, that kind of blows my mind. Well, I think I think that's probably not going to change now. No. I, well, the, the reason that I say that is because I think he was getting more strikeouts before. But it was what was making his pitch count get out of control. And he was constantly trying to get people to chase a four-seam fastball. With the two-seamer, he's trying to get contact. Yeah. And quick outs. And it's helping him in, in a lot of ways. It's, it's First, it's making his fastball play better when he throws the four-seamer. Without a doubt, they are working well off of each other. And it's because it's a similar arm angle. You're only talking maybe four or five, six miles per hour difference. 
and then as a hitter you are you are having trouble deciphering what that is when it gets close to the plate yeah i mean let's take a quick break here and when we come back i think let's pick up just a little bit more read a few more of the comments and then maybe yeah you can call your shot sounds good buddy Podcast Network, Jim and Gary with you, and we're picking up our conversation about our poll question about Mitch Keller here and basically how you feel about him. Um, I, again, I was kind of surprised to see so many people ready to admit that that they felt he had become somebody they look forward to seeing pitch. Basically, it deserves more than a ten-minute segment. Let's put it that way. With right, all that, so- with all that. Any other thoughts you had on 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 Mitch? What you've seen? What you what yeah. has led you to think what you think? Well, you know, um, just just going back to this 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 um, sinker of his is, and this is something that our buddy Alex Stump put out uh, yesterday or the day before, and it might have been right after his uh, his great start, maybe his best start ever as a pirate one of the best certainly, against, puts certainly up there yeah yeah i mean deep longest he's went in a game it was against the marlins i mean everybody i think has either either saw it or read about it and he was he was really effective seven innings and striking out guys not walking guys and whatever but here's the thing alex put this out and this is kind of what we're talking about is since he has adopted this sinker he is averaging Five and a half innings a start and a 3.86 ERA. So, yeah. I mean, that, that uh, has if you're to not be a trend, man, that's been a minute now. Yeah, that's just it. Like, so um, I think if people, it, you, you have to acknowledge those numbers. Um, we're talking about a league where five and a half innings is sadly pretty darn good anymore i mean right. you you know uh anytime you start pushing toward the sixth inning sixth inning of a game so it's just you have to you have to know why people are talking about him a little differently and i think if you're willing to take a look at that then it starts making a little more sense if you're going to be reasonable about it right and you know i took a, a shot at myself for using the word arrived but you know i do things like that sometimes to get conversation going i I don't. I feel like if I box you into a corner mm-hmm. by saying like, uh, "Is he a future all star?" I think that's the. You know, I know the answer before I ask it. That's not entertaining to me. You know, I know it's eighty five percent. But um, I guess what I what I like that I see from Mitch Keller, I feel like it's sustainable, and I think that's why I feel like it's different. And it's not because I'm looking at the underlying analytics or something. It's because he's he has a very repeatable motion. The arm plane seems to be right right now. Yeah. Even when he doesn't have the control of one of the pitches, they play well enough in the zone that he can miss a little bit. And as long he's as giving, he's keeping it down. 
Yeah, he's what he's doing now, Gary, is he's giving himself a chance every time yeah. he goes out. And there were times where Mitch Keller wasn't giving himself a chance. You know, he either didn't trust his stuff or he was trying to nibble a little too much here and there. Yeah. And it was always, always catching up with him. Well, and in turn, you have to say, um, I think it's it's early yet to expect the fan base to start thinking like this, but I'm sorry, I'm going to. A team like this, in my opinion, needs to make sure that when they develop a pitcher, they're keeping them if they're reasonable. I think a team like this would do better to try to lock in the mid-grade starters, like the the two through five, two through four type guys, mm-hmm. like a JT Brubaker, like a Mitch Keller. Lock some of them up for little extensions beyond arbitration. It takes so long to onboard them. By the time you start getting going, they're hitting arbitration. That's just not sustainable for how you're trying to win. So if you want to make sure some of these guys are around for the window, you're going to have to take a risk here and say, hey, JT Brubaker's been good enough. I know he's older, but whatever. Let's keep him for a couple extra years beyond arbitration. Mitch Keller. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny. You, 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 we, we probably could be having this same exact conversation about the guy you just mentioned. Which is Brubaker? Sure. S- since since, and I, I you know I don't have the numbers in front of me, but well, as we're s- recording, you know, he just went seven strong against the fish. So, you know, and been, yeah, and and after some horrific luck, and slash, he started off rough in his first few starts of the year, but after that, he's been pretty much on the same plane as Mitch Keller has been with some of his, his starts. And he's been going much later into games since uh, they've allowed him to go. In fact, today before the game, Derek Shelton mentioned that because yesterday was a bullpen game, they expected JT to come out here and give them seven. And he did. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Seven. He's done for the night, seven innings, three hits, Nine strikeouts, two walks. Hey, and it's you hard know, to complain about what you're getting out of, of production-wise out of JT Brubaker, Mitch Keller, Zach Thompson. Um, Zach, Zach Thompson's another one that Rowanzi when he's back up, and you know we, we're not going to cover that again. No, Quintana has been really solid. That's going to hurt to lose him. So who's next? You know, is it Dylan Peters? Is it Bryce Wilson, who looked good in his two call-ups? I mean, man, (laughs) we could really go on a riff about starting pitching here, man, because if you really think about it, we're starting to see what 2023's competition is going to look like before they even add anything, and you know they will. Yeah, yeah, it is one of those things where when you look at it right now, and it's funny how – some of this stuff fluctuates um, because probably a month and a half ago or two months, it really was looking really shaky. I mean, Bryce Wilson had yeah. faltered and Keller was still struggling and um, Brew Baker just couldn't seem to get out of his own way. And so 
Um, it's really funny how a month or two can make a big difference. I, I hope we're having the same conversation or a very similar one in, you know, month and a half from now. Um, it makes it you certainly wonder. looks like we could. It makes you wonder. Uh, I know that spring wasn't normal. I do. I get it. I acknowledge it. I understand that pitching has kind of been through the ringer since COVID came about. But the Pirates, I think, slow walked their pitchers a lot more than the rest of the league did. And I think it set almost every single one of them up for failure at the beginning of the season. They weren't going to get wins. They were only really going to be eligible for losses. They weren't getting any run support. They were <laughs> they were not allowed to go more than four or five innings ever. Excruciatingly um, uh, conservative as a fan to watch. So I, I'm just I wonder how much they held them back is what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. I. We, we talked about starting pitching being a problem all year. I wonder how much earlier they potentially could have solved it. If only there was some kind of a, a stretch out program similar to other teams in the league. Because I've watched a lot of baseball. I didn't see the other teams this conservative. I'm just saying. I mean, they they were they were on the very very conservative side of things and i mean i don't know man it would really be interesting to sit down and 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 be able to talk to somebody like uh dewey uh robinson and say like right um are you now attributing where they're at now to that very conservative approach and and just see what they would say that's a great point though is that maybe why we're starting to see them all hit their stride now when this is traditionally hitting season. It always is hit, hitting season. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of weird to see them starting to thrive right now. Right? But either way, I, I think as we continue on heading towards 2023, the end of this season, you could potentially see them add in other talents like Michael Burroughs, I think, could get a shot. Cody Bolton could get a shot. I mean, you might even see a reward for Quinn Priester in late September. <laughs> it, I mean, it, here here's the thing, too, is like, and um, I think actually it, when we do the, the call your shot, it's something I want to jump into just a tiny bit more is like, if nothing else, if you're not going to do anything else, at least go out. And there are some guys out there even in uh, your bullpen that you could go out and and make some signings there if mm-hmm. you can't find the starting rotation help that you want. So I, I would hope that both of those things are on the table and it will make a big difference as to what kind of season we're talking about them having next year. Don't you think? Oh yeah. It's either <laughs> if they spend even a modest amount of money to bring in, in my opinion, they need to bring in a starter that they can consider to be, in the top three of their rotation. That's that's all I'm saying. I don't put like one through five on guys. I just top third of the rotation. And if you can bring in somebody like that, I honest to God believe there's enough there to, to almost guarantee a wild card run. If not... Which- 
they'd have to have a lot of dominoes fall the right way with pitching. Yeah, and I mean, just to be clear, I think when you say wild card run, like when I hear that, I think somewhere close to 500 or around 500 is is getting you in that conversation. I think they'll be close to in the conversation for flirting with 500 next year, uh, regardless of what they do in the free agent market. But I think um, it just through attrition, I think there's enough pitching that they'll at least start the year fairly confident with who they're going to start. Right. And uh, I'd like to see them go out and get somebody just to make it a little harder. I'd, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, let me say this and, and, you know, we, we, we've talked about not putting the numbers on the starters, you know, but I think it's important in the sense of if all they're talking about doing is bringing in like what you would consider to be no better than maybe like a fifth starter, then that's not what I'm interested in and what I'm looking for. And I'd rather than just that, that to me doesn't accomplish much of of anything, that caliber of a guy. You'd rather just see Cody Bolton be a fifth starter. Yeah, because we know what a fifth starter is going to look like, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to look pretty. And we say that Quintana for making 2 million dollars as a veteran was probably arguably brought in here to be the fifth starter. And he's probably been their best. So Yeah, I mean Tyler Anderson and Jose Quintana, they got more out of that than what they want do i do i want to make a habit of trying that um probably not that much i'm surprised <laughs> I, nobody's uh, saying that oscar uh, moran is resurrecting careers like uh <laughs> like ray did that's right right our buddy um, ray searage but i don't know he they have done pretty well with those pickups so at least you know credit to whoever in the scouting department is deciding that these guys have something more to give than they've shown or poised to come back and do something. In other words, I'll say this, if somebody like Corey Kluber, who I, you know, think started to stink there pretty badly were to be identified by the pirates as somebody they want to take a shot at, I might not be so quick to scoff next year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, my whole thing is too, like, if it's, if it's a lefty, I'm a little more intrigued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because like lefties get by with a lot less, and there's more of an opportunity for something to still be there. I think than guys wow. that are heavily dependent on on uh, you know just flat out velocity and stuff. I'll say this: it has to be a lefty. <laughs> I mean, they don't, well, have, they I don't mean, have any. And, like, they, they, they have to get one. I, I, I think Omar Cruz is still a pipe dream for next year. Uh, probably um, a little too soon. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. And they just don't have one. So, And maybe that's a good topic for another day is just totally, like, how we got so lopsided with pitching on the, on the <laughs> right-handed side of things and how we got so lopsided offensively with the left-handed bats. Right. You know what I mean? mean? Something and interesting. Just, just trust me, they're not counting on Solomeda jumping up next year. So don't say it, anybody. Oh, well, I can think of a couple that will. So we'll <laughs> let them do it. Yeah, I guess I'll tell you what. Let's do call your shot. I think that's going to keep us on the pitching train yeah. for a minute. And uh, might even carry over into our third segment. Who knows, huh? Yep. 
Hey boys, uh, just doing a quick shot from the backyard after a pretty exciting win over the Burrs. Um, just had a thought on uh, the back end of the bullpen, how Crow and Bednar have developed. And uh, I guess I thought earlier in the season that Bednar was a pretty nice trade chip and um, you know would make sense to potentially look at moving them. But I really feel like both those guys under control till 2026 or until the 2026 season. Um, be nice to have those two as a you know reliable one-two punch at the end of the games. You, know, you look at teams like uh, the Brewers with Williams and Hater, and it's usually just over by the eighth inning. So um, I don't know. That's my shot for the day. All right, so that's call your shot. It's our buddy Jay, and uh, he starts out by saying that Will Crow is the eighth inning guy with Bednar and. I guess he has been some, huh? I kind of haven't really thought of him like that, but I guess he kind of has become a little bit of an eighth inning guy now, huh? Ever since Stratton struggled. Yeah, they had to go a little bit different with a couple of different guys and try them out in some situations. Yeah, I've seen um, Underwood there a little bit. Right. So, you know, you have Underwood and Crow kind of sharing that a little bit. We got De Los Santos jumping in there a little bit towards the, the closing end of things. Haven't seen them really hand him the eighth very often. No, and what I will say is and 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 Jay and me are very much of like minded people when when we talk about that brewer situation, what they're able to pull off once you get past oh, yeah. the seventh seventh inning. And I will say that does make them dangerous in the playoffs. Dude, it's even longer than that for the Brewers normally because they throw Suter at you. And yeah. Then Boxberger and yeah. then Williams and then Hader. They don't need a starter to give them more than five, and all their starters are capable of giving you eight. I know. They're, I mean... they're <laughs> if anything, they're they they've almost it's hard to believe the record's not a little better. And I well, do think they, that they makes them very dangerous in they game in a playoff the series they just don't right. have the hitting which is weird because you always because to you really you always think of them as kind of being able to 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 hit a little bit you know i mean yelich isn't yelich and um yeah and adamas can't do it himself you right know, he's not that type of hitter he's a good hitter but he's not he's not one of those josh bell in july players you know yeah so so you know like that's kind of what I saved a little bit, uh, knowing what the call your shot was going to be yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier and shut shut it down because I wanted to get to it now is that's kind of what I'm talking about is whether it's Crow or somebody that you identify out on the market that you think that could fill that role and you can get that nasty, nasty combination of seventh, eighth, ninth inning it's pretty much game over on most nights you choose to use this. Boy, that would be nice. I mean, I'm going to expand on what Jay said because the bullpen in general right now to me. Has looked pretty good. Love the makeup. Mm -hmm. I love the makeup of it right now. Tyler Beatty has been a sneaky good pickup. Really good. I would love to hear what they're doing with him. I mean, it's been pretty sweet. Like I think he's he's handled long outings. He's handled short with a little leverage. ERA under four, doing a pretty good job eating innings for them and not embarrassing himself, giving Dwayne Underwood a break from him. 
Yeah. You know, by having that that traditional longer reliever back there. Now they get Dylan Peters back in the mix. Not only do they get a good lefty back that actually can get lefties out, they <laughs> they get a they get a good lefty that can give you some length if you want. I was just gonna say he provides some versatility. Yeah. Underwood's throwing gas. Ninety-eight miles an hour. Kid's got movement like like he did when he was originally picked. Yeah. As high as he was. I the you can just tell he's figured some things out. And uh, it it looks so much fun. De, De Los Santos, absolutely great so far, rookie campaign. I know they he, slow walked him at the beginning, but man, he looks good now. Yeah, he's another one that they went ultra conservative with. And I think Beatty was the one, and I, um, I, you know, I could be wrong here, but I thought he was the one that when the Pirates picked him up, they dusted off a uh, one of his old pitcher pitches, which might have been a sinker as well, actually. It, it is and was. Yeah. And, and I. it's funny that everything's going back to the sinker now. It's, <laughs> it's cyclical. But, like, no, it's it's funny because when they picked up Beatty, I remember it was a big joke on the show. Like, I didn't even want to say his name, and then we mentioned him, like, 12 Yes. But, I mean, what a great sneaky pickup that, that has been. As much garbage as they've filtered through here. It's yeah. pretty awesome that that, that happened. And uh, yeah, well, you got. Let me say this too is about Crow. Um, I will say it's it is kind of funny to think of like he went from such a boring starter at times to a guy that when he comes into games now, you actually expect him to pitch well and look yes. pretty darn good doing it. And he he has made that transformation in like a year or under it, and that is incredible when you think about it, Gary. He changed everything about himself. His demeanor, yeah, changed. He he's got this gum chewing thing now, like that he does. He he does that heavy breathing that that they do. He has a glare he's, he's developed now. He's got he a little storms bit of a around the mound strut. after he strikes a guy out. Um, Isn't it odd how much he has changed your like? I, I'm telling you, when I watch a game and he comes in, I expect him I expect to perform. Him to do well too, and and yes, it is very strange. Like I think I, <laughs> I tweeted out the other day, I I've seen a lot of starters transition to the bullpen and do fine. I have not very often seen one so willingly accept the role and openly go after becoming a really good trusted option in the back. Most of them try to hang on to that long man in the hope that they can get back to being a starter. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Not Will Crow. (laughs) You know, maybe it was as, maybe as, as we watched him as a starter, it seemed like such a grind for him. Like, so like, like, and maybe it was for him internally too, where, um, he just was always fighting against whether it was a role for him or not. So maybe it really wasn't that hard of a sell because God knows watching him, you, you felt for him. You were like, God, four or five innings, you're just hoping that he can get there somehow. Well, you, you remember how slow he was to deliver too. Oh, God, yes. Well, ever since he changed the bullpen, it's just bing, bang, boom. He's just firing balls as soon as the guy's ready. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe that's that pitch calm too. I, I don't know. Maybe that has changed something for him. But I, whatever I, it is, Will Crow to me has been one of the most impressive pieces it, this year. I didn't expect it. it. I didn't see it coming. And, and it's really it, – it is remarkable. And now, well, do I see him as an eighth-inning guy? That's a different conversation. Yeah, we should have. Yeah. Um. Boy, I hate to take a guy that's been so successful at what he's doing and then just simply limiting him to something. When I say this, something like that as if it's not super important. Um, I don't know if I fully, fully see him in that role, but I wouldn't call him crazy for trying it either. Yeah, I see him as an option for that role. Yeah. And I I think they have... Right now, three good ones. You have Bednar as the closer. I think De Los Santos, Underwood, and um, Crow can all handle the eighth if they have to, which means you automatically have one for the seventh. What they need badly is a lefty, not unlike Tony Watson, that can handle something towards the back end, like seventh or eighth inning at least. That's what they need. And those are a, tough. A Tony Watson is a perfect example, um, but also, like you just said, a very tough guy to find. Equally good against lefties and righties. Yep. Um, very, very much. A, uh, uh, he was a man on the mound. You know what I mean? Like yes. there wasn't there wasn't many situations where you didn't feel like Tony Watson was going to be in control of it. Um, Maybe that's something they need to go out and target a little bit to is either a lefty starter or a lefty guy in the bullpen um, that you could you could throw a little bit more money at and get them in here. You know, the funny thing is the only guy we haven't really mentioned is Stratton. He's he's clearly the weakest link. And um, it's a shame because he has been a really good pitcher here since his pickup. But yeah, you said they're either going to trade him or I can't imagine wanting to return his services next year. Yeah. I, I have a feeling like I, I personally, cause he came over from the, the angels yep. and it didn't register very highly on the, on the impact scale when they got him, but he's been, he's been above average at least for, for almost the whole time he's been here. So, <laughs> Um, but I see it kind of maybe has run its course, um, which happens with, with, yeah, I, geez, I think that the pirates, the old pirates of like the, uh, even the bad nineties pirates early and mid two thousands pirates, they always had one of those guys like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was always someone like that, that that could eat innings here and there and they looked really good. And sometimes they had to close, but eventually their arm fell off. Right. That's what I think is frustrating about Chris Stratton is his arm hasn't fallen off. His stuff is just as good as it has been. It's just every once in a while, he's not throwing a good pitch and he's getting tagged when he doesn't throw a good pitch. That's really it. He, he he's and I'm trying to look up real quick. I I wanted to see where he was as far as 
innings pitched and even his age at this point. Um, yeah, he'll be 32 in August. Right. Probably not a guy you want to, like you said, well, are you are you really going to extend him? I just no. don't know. I just don't see it. No, not at all. And and I think on top of that, I think you've got players like Nick Mears on the way, and Strickland, and like they 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 have other guys that I think they are Stratton. I mean, sorry, Stratton. Um, there's a lot of players like that that they're still going to need to filter through. Some of these starters are probably Bryce Wilson's a guy that might actually wind up in the bullpen if you think about it. If he doesn't stick a landing in the rotation next year. Maybe maybe we'll take a break and talk more about this. Because we, we have wrapped up Call Your Shot, I think, by saying we're basically unsure if we're calling Will Crow an eighth inning guy yet, but we kind of agree with Jay that we like the, the one-two punch, even if it's a menage a trois. And it, and it lists led us into probably an overdue um, topic and segment on Will Crow and just what that has looked like, to be quite honest, to be yeah, fair well, to him. Well, I think in many ways he kind of suffered to a lesser degree from what Mitch Keller did. Everybody watched him have a really, really poor season, uh, even though you know he, he threw more innings than any other Pirate last year. And... Uh, I guess maybe we, we should have given him a little more credit for that because he kind of took one for the team last year too. He really he did. Agree, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but, man, he caught me by surprise this year. I didn't expect I, – I honestly thought he might start the year in AAA. You know? I, I, I will say this just to put a bow on it. Um, they would be – I mean, they would be a heck of a lot worse off – on this team and record-wise, even without him this year, there's no doubt that's been how how big of a piece he has been. Very much so. So let's take a quick break. We come back. Let's talk a little bit about some other things going on on the sad side, and uh, <laughs> and, and maybe a, a quick outline of what we think the pitching staff's going to do. DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And Jim, I thought the best way to organize all the thoughts that are racing around our heads right now is probably for us to do like a real quick like news flash, quick comments, and move on to the next thing because there's been a lot of little things that I don't think warrant an entire segment, but I do want to touch on them real quick. And we might as well start with the most painful one of all the Brian Reynolds injury to his oblique. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obliques are funny. <laughs> very very uh, much so. Um, it's hard to say. This could be 10 days. This could be, you know, two months. What do you think, man? I, I mean, it, two months, uh, that, it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, this is the thing. 
when someone comes to you in the middle of a game and says, hey, I think I felt something in my side, you're going to come out of the ballgame. They're not going to let you, and that's exactly what happened, and that's what I want to you know, stress upon people too is with the obliques is you don't take a chance and run him back out there and see if uh, if it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, not so, now. Back in the seventies, you did. Back yeah, in the 70s, yeah. You just threw some ice at the old timer and told him to get his ass back up there. Right, right. The only way it would ever happen today is if you were in the in there during the at bat, you felt it and thought, mm, "Let me try another swing," and then you take it and you're like, yeah, ah, right. "I got some problems." But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be some. It's interesting too because they've been very quiet about it, um, which maybe they just aren't sure right now, um, and and are waiting it out. Um, it would be a real shame after he responded the way he did uh, in June and even in July now if he's not able to come back and misses a significant chunk of time. I, I that'd be a shame. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, and, I'm and, hoping, and I'm hoping that he comes back and hasn't been out long enough to lose his timing. I think that's kind of what you're worried about. Yeah, yeah. There, there are. It's quite hitting is a it, timing for everybody, but for Brian Reynolds, it's almost more important than most. He, he, he lives and dies on timing. So, if you miss. In, in, if you have an, uh, uh, an oblique that ends up being um, uh, lengthy, you're almost coming back. And if you're not starting over, it kind of, it feels like it, quite honestly, as a hitter. Yeah, and depending on how bad it was, which it, just from seeing him walk around the dugout and whatnot, I'm going to go ahead and guess it's not like something that they're super, super concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen people with obliques. They tend to be a little more ginger about everything. And I saw him skipping down the dugout. So, like, I feel I feel like he's probably closer to all right than not. But, yeah. um, the, it might first just of, be the all-star breaks coming up here. They're like, screw it, you know. They are super painful injuries if you really do strain an oblique. And I can, I can tell you this because I have had one of those that I did get. Um, playing and uh, you swing about thousands of times and nothing weird happens. And then you swing it one time and uh, yeah, I felt it all the way up my side. And by the next day I, I felt like I got kicked in the side and I had bruising up and down my side. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it can be crazy. So let's hope he's averted any, like uh, uh, the huge crisis situation here. Yeah. Let's hope. And uh, what else, what else is going on? Well, we got David Bednar, you know, named to the All-Star game, and that's great. Yes. He's the only one that I think uh, is really deserving this year. I don't think anybody got snubbed or even close to it. No, he was the guy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago even, you know, that we felt like this was this was a foregone conclusion. He deserves it. I thought kudos to the Pirates about how they handled it and uh, – that um, segment they did on social media about um, Shelton uh, making sure he was yeah they he did was a, um, they did it last year too for Frazier and Reynolds that was nice yes. as well and I, but it felt good for it felt a little different because it was a Pittsburgh kid that got yeah. it but uh, I mean good for him he he's come here and he's uh, one of those rare acquisitions that 
Nobody knew who he was when the trade went down. Um, people, I remember openly saying that uh, they got him thrown at, thrown in just because he was from Pittsburgh to lighten the blow of, of moving <laughs> Musgrove. And, um, you know, all he's Boy, would it be come here and be a dominant closer. It would be great to, and maybe that'll be a little bit of something I'll do is go digging around and see what I can find of what people might have said at the time. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you wonder, like, um, if people kind of uh, dumped on it or poo-pooed it. But, I mean, my goodness, he's uh, he's almost been the centerpiece of it all, right? I mean, it, it's worked out that way. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I certainly didn't know him from Adam when they acquired no. him. I think Hudson Head was the big name in that deal. And yeah, think, probably. Uh, you know, he's certainly not been – you know, the guy. <laughs> yeah. Deal. And, and, and uh, the only thing I'll, I'll say too about it or add to it, cause I do think it's pretty cool for the area is uh, I think it, they said he is the first W P I A L guy, meaning from Western PA that has made the all-star team since the absolute legend, Dick Grote in 1962 <laughs> made it for a W P I L school. And so that is really, that's, That's really an cool. Of a completely different color. I mean that that man, yeah. he did everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean so so it's just really cool. I mean it doesn't happen very often, and um, for him to be here from here, people people here take some serious pride in that. I think. Right, and uh, I guess O'Neill Cruz has been he's been good flashes of of brilliance. Um little bits and windows into what he could be, you know, from swing to swing. But we're yeah. also seeing the rookie, you know, we're, sure. we're, we're seeing um, the guy being attacked on things that he struggles with. And I also see that the talent is there for him to, to figure it out. I've see him look better his second at bat against a pitcher. And I, and I think, that's the sort of stuff I want to see out of him right now. I'm willing to kind of forego a lot of the stuff. He's not going to learn what he needs to learn in AAA. No, someone brought that up as a comment to a, uh, a question I posted is what does everyone think about Cruz right now? Um, and someone did say that I wish I could remember because I would want to give them credit for it on the show, which is someone said, I just um, be patient. And uh, which I totally agree with. And, and a lot of people said that and that he is somebody that cannot. There's not much else to learn down there. He, he, he can now learn here and get through some of these growing pains. I thought maybe one of the most interesting things about O'Neill Cruz is uh, it just popped into my head is just he he is the only thing that I think that has shown that he has really struggled and needs to um figure out a little bit is is he's really struggling against left-handers and um which he has hasn't been his mo yeah that's just gonna say he has not been that bad in the minors historically against left-handed pitching but i will say that when you get to the majors and you face lefties on lefties that is a different ball game. That is a whole different breed of facing left-handers. So um, 
And they sat him, at least for a game against the lefty. People did ask, you, our buddy Nick Camuso, I think, asked a very legitimate question, which is how is he supposed to learn to hit them if he's not in the lineup? And I just felt it was more of a breather situation, like he'd been I going think, through it. I think for one thing, too, there's different kind of lefties. Uh, a lot of people don't don't think that way, but if you have like a right-hander who really struggles against right-handed pitching like Michael Chavis, okay, and there's a, a right-handed pitcher who has a really, really good sweeping slider. You know, he's right. really good at tagging the outside corner. He's really good at having it dart just outside. Michael Chavis is going to strike out against that guy 75% of the time. There's no way there's not a book on that, right? So, well, I mean, you see you see it every, every at-bat exactly. of his. So O'Neill Cruz is no different. He faces a lefty. If he faces a lefty that throws a lot of high heat, well, he's a smart kid. He knows what he's doing. And he has good bat speed. He'll catch up to it over time. You know, you throw him three yeah. of those, he's going to pipe it. But if you give him a lefty that throws those big sweepers, that's not he, fair. To him. It, 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 it looks um, probably like it should in a lot of cases. Yeah, so re- reality is, I think, with O'Neill Cruz, if you want to start seeing progress, I think you'll start seeing him draw a lot more walks, forcing people back into, into, um, into the hitting zone because – Otherwise, you're putting that speed demon on base. And if you put him on base, he's going to hurt you because he pushes the action. And he yeah. forces it on the base pass. He's going to go first to third on a normal single. It's it's actually a really, really good point that I'm glad we got to and that you brought up, which is if he is – he's got to start walking more. He's got to force yes. pitchers to come to him. He don't and, need to be Daniel Vogelback, mind you. No, no, we don't want (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like don't do what brought you, got you here. Uh, You know, don't, don't not do that. But at the same time, yes, because that's what you're seeing is when you take a look at O'Neill Cruz's numbers and you're like, man, his OPS should look a little better, shouldn't it? Or his, you know, whatever you want to, whatever, however you want to quantify what he's doing. It's simply because he's just not getting on base enough on those other at-bats that he's not doing anything. Yes. And and I think um, when you start showing them, like, if you walk me, I'm going to make you pay anyway. Yeah. You might as well try to pitch to me. I think he's going to see a lot more pitches. That's what I think will happen over time. And that he's going to balance that. Sometimes a kid, once he does start learning that he has to take stuff, well, then he takes too much. And, and a good pitcher figures that out, and they start knowing, okay, so I need to be borderline, and he'll take it. <laughs> it it's, a fi- it's a fine line. Yep. He's got to learn where that line is. And um, this is the other thing I'll bring up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw – I'm going to throw – you know me, I like to do the whole um, – multiple sport analogy thing every once in a while. And I'm going to do it here and I hope it makes sense. Yeah. This, this is what I see with O'Neill Cruz. And this is what I, this is what gets me excited is that I don't need to see greatness or awesomeness all the time from a young guy. 
I just want to see flashes of it. I want to see it pop out here and there and go, oh, hey, wait a minute. Did you just see? And the reason I bring this up, did you just see what I just saw is when Ben Roethlisberger first came to the Steelers and he, they had to throw him in there and he was raw and he didn't know how to read a defense yet. But his natural athletic ability and the things he was able to do, you would be like, wait a minute, rewind that. Did you just see what he did in the pocket there? Yeah. And you would, and then he would do something great and you would say, oh my God, if he figures it out, look out. And that is what gets, and I got, I, I'm getting goosebumps saying that stuff because look <laughs> what it ended up for Ben. Well, but that's what you're looking for, right, Gary? And that's what you're seeing with him. It is. It's what you're looking for, and it it's it's nice to, to have it happen to you once, you know. Like, <laughs> and I take it you mean as pirate fans. I do, and, <laughs> and uh, I say that because look, this kid he could wind up being way inferior to Andrew McCutcheon. That's a lot to live up to. Sure, but. Andrew McCutcheon did not have a ceiling like O'Neill Cruz does. And that's why he's so exciting. Because Definitely. as incredible a player as Andrew McCutcheon is and was, he, he was never going to be able to do some of the things O'Neill Cruz can do. Now, does he turn into that? Who knows? But right yeah, now, long way to go. Just watch the special. You realize there's things he has to learn, and when he gets striked out and look and looks bad, he's learning from it. He is. Yeah. Watch him the next time he comes up. Watch how different he approaches it the next time he comes up. He, right. He, he knows what's happening to him. It just it takes a while for kids. Let's let's give him patience. Look what happened to Jack Swinski. You know. Which, you know, I saw recently, Jim, there's some people like actually calling for him to go down to AAA. <laughs> That's just batshit to me <laughs> hey. at this point. But Yeah, I mean, it, these, these younger guys are going to go through it at times. And boy, I feel bad for Jack because he's really going through it. Um, but that doesn't mean you just say, oh, first time it's been hard. Um, let's send you down to AAA. Oh, by the way, the guy has 14 home runs. They're just, I mean, why would you do that to a kid? Um, <laughs> when, when your home run leader just went on the IL too, let's go ahead. Yeah. And... Yeah. So, um, look, the... back too. <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not? Um, but no, like you, when you look at Cruz, it's just great that you're seeing the glimpses of it and that lets you know it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't take your eyes off of him. Even when you watch him at the ballpark or just watch TV, watch how many people just don't take their eyes off the guy. He's He, he has that it factor. Um, to, now let's hope it just develops onto the field that it's the same it factor. Yeah. Anyways, it's, it's been fun. The team's been fun. You know, a um, little winning streak for once. Not bad. And um, – I guess all in all, you got to see how they get through this Reynolds stretch. But I feel yeah, like yeah, finish the season pretty strong. 
assuming Reynolds isn't out for any length of time, because it's look in small doses, anyone in baseball, you can get away with not having someone. If he was out for a longer time, it would look pretty rough uh, for the lineup. Um, it, uh, over time, baseball, there's just nowhere to hide that. No. Um, uh, having a guy like that. But I, I will say this, like looking, looking th- for the rest of the season, big thing is stay away from those losing streaks. That nine game losing streak yeah. has really kind of made that record look a little rougher. Now they, they've earned, they earned it. They, they own it. They have, they have to, I mean, it, it happened and no one else did that to them. But if you can avoid those types of slides, you could keep the record manageable and the progress um, going in the right direction, I think. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation this week about baseball because next week, I'm afraid it's unavoidable, Jim. It's time to talk trade deadline. Uh-oh. We have to. <laughs> we have to. It's coming. It is. <laughs> and if we don't start discussing it, you know, I just I feel like we're going to hear a lot of crazy rumors until we kind of lay it out as far as maybe why you make a trade and and why a team like this might want to trade somebody. Definitely. I think think there's some things we can talk about there that will make this a little bit easier on some people's stomachs. huh? Yeah, I agree. I think it's something we absolutely can dive into because it's going to become an issue or a topic regardless. So. All right, Jim. So, hey, thanks again for working with my schedule. Absolutely, dude. Get and, on, uh, get on back to the Berg. Oh, I can't wait. And, uh, <laughs> you're out there. Have... You're you're out there in uh, in um, the twilight zone right now. I, I can't wait to hear all the stories. So, uh, it's just uh, it's a shame, honestly. But <laughs> um, how do people get a hold of you, brother? Yeah, man. Uh, Twitter all the time. Uh, Pittsburgh all the time Steelers Pirates Pitt and Penguins it's for the city underscore 412 or at Jim Stam 22 and uh, um, yeah so that's how you can get a hold of me and and uh, appreciate it Gary this was good this was good yeah this was good stuff man and uh, honestly I really I got to watch every game while I've been out here so like I mean it's it's been really nice so I haven't missed really anything oh cool yeah, I even got to catch a Giants game the other night, so that was fun. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait to Sunday see that ballpark. I oh, hate it beautiful. that I have not seen it. it it's beautiful. It's my second favorite. It really is. Yeah. I, I have a feeling it will go right in that spot for me, too. Like, yeah. everything I've seen, man, they just they just nailed it. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And uh, the fog is, is a thing. It's really neat when the fog rolls in. Really now, does it get chilly like they say at night? Does oh, it yes. really? Yeah, that's crazy. It really? Does. Yeah. You're not. You don't want to be wearing shorts around at night and, and whatnot. You know, you want a hoodie. And Interesting. <laughs> it's it's pretty chilly. So we'll get back home, dude. Good stuff. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's time for uh, Ben to do a late night version of this uh, sign off. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>